Hello, believers, and welcome to another episode of Believing Bigger Podcast with Dr. Shantae, the podcast that equips entrepreneurs and influencers with the tools, the confidence, and most importantly, the faith to believe bigger in their dreams. Believers, you are in for a treat these next few episodes because we are about to do a series, and this series is called Spring Cleaning. And spring cleaning is all about cleaning out the mindsets, the toxins, the spiritual debris that keeps us from being the people that God has called us to be with regard to entrepreneurship, with regard to being influencers. Because some of the things that I'm noticing from people who say they are believers, things I'm noticing on social media, certain statements that are being made and the way that we respond to things that are happening in the world are really inconsistent with the way that the Bible speaks about how we ought to respond and handle those things. And so I know some of you looked at the title of today's episode and was like, what? But yes, baby, uh, we're going to be talking about this. Some homes in this house uh, on today's episode. And we are coming straight out of the scripture because, you know, I can't make this stuff up. And so our guiding scripture for today, grab your pens because I'm about to drop something on you and I hope that you receive it in the spirit that it was intended. So today we are coming from John chapter eight, verses three through 11. And it says this, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery and the law Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, let any one of you who was without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, sir. Then he said, then neither do I condemn you. Go now and leave your life of sin. So what we're going to be talking about on today's episode, there's some holes in this house is number one, we're going to be talking about church folks. And I want you all to understand there's a difference between church folks and Christians. And one of the reasons that Christians that the gospel of Christ is so hindered is really not because of Christians. It's because of church folks. And we're going to talk about that. Number two, we're going to talk about how God responds to whores. Okay. To women of ill reputation, to women who are out there in these streets. And three, we're going to talk about an encounter with Jesus. So roll up your spiritual sleeves. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear. Let's get right into it. So the first thing I want to talk about in today's episode is church folks versus Christians and what brought me to the spring cleaning series. I've been, you know, scrolling through social media. One of the things about being an introvert is that we don't say much, but we see everything. You know, we don't have to say everything, but we see everything. And I've been noticing some things from, like I said, people who espouse to be believers. And, you know, I've been seeing some comments like this, man, these hoes out here winning, you know, sad chicks is winning. You know, if people follow the word of God, like they follow Cardi B, you know, when are we going to stop supporting this whole culture and things like that? And, you know, I get it. I understand your frustration because there is, it does seem that that is a culture that gets 
idolized and praised and, and worshiped and things like that. But, you know, we've had this conversation on the podcast many times. Uh, the scripture says there is a way that seems right to man, but the end thereof is destruction. And so sometimes we react and we respond and we have these emotional and these gut visceral palpable reactions to things that we see on social media, which quite frankly, don't even really impact us. But, you know, we get riled up and we get fired up and then we start firing off our thumbs on social media, but not really thinking about that or looking at that through a spiritual lens. And, you know, and I'll explain what I mean by that. This is why it's important to make a distinction between church folks and Christians. So let me give you a rundown on the characteristics of church folks. Okay, now, you know, mama loves you and I ain't trying to step on no toes. But, you know, some of these messages have to challenge us so that we can be better. Okay, so characteristics of church folks. Number one, church folks are messy. They are gossip. They are busybodies. Okay, so church folks are messy, gossipy, busybodies. So if you know somebody that claims to name the name of Christ, you know, as Lord and Savior, and they going around, you know, girl, 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 hey, guy, hey, guy, hey, guy. Oh, did you see this screenshotting and, you know, all that other type of stuff? That's that's some messiness. Okay, that that is the characteristics of church folks. Church folks scrutinize other people looking for wrongdoing. So these are the people that, you know, young lady walks in, her skirt too short. They start nudging and pointing, pointing, nudging and whispering like, mm, mm, she ain't got no business being in no church with that kind of stuff on, you know, that that's church folks. Church folks judge first, ask questions later. So a lot of times, you know, church folks, busybodies, they don't know the full context, you know, but they have already cast judgment and dispersion. They don't know the backstory and they don't need to know. They judge first, ask questions later. Church folks put your business out in the street. You know, those are the ones that's in the prayer circle. And Lord, we pray for sister so-and-so. We know that her husband has been out there in these streets and he ain't doing right. But Lord, you know all about the situation. Mm, You didn't have to put sister so-and-so's business about herself and her husband out in the prayer circle. But you know, that's what church folks do. Church folks are more focused on rules than relationships. And I'm going to repeat that. I say church folks are more focused on rules than relationship. And we're going to come back to that later on in this episode. Church folks throw rocks and hide their hands. I, well, you know, it wasn't me personally. I mean, because I don't know. I don't even really know you like that. So, I mean, I don't personally have anything against you. I just had heard that. Um, And, you know, I was concerned that um, mm-hmm, church folks and Let me be a clear reminder. Okay, go ahead and pull out the Bible, you know, blow the dust off of it. If it's been a while or you can scroll through your digital scripture, church folks put Jesus on the cross. Let me repeat that. Church folks, religious leaders put Jesus, the savior of the world on the cross. Holes didn't put Jesus on the cross. Pimps didn't put Jesus on the cross. Uh, witches, warlocks, and and this, that, and the third. They didn't put Jesus on the cross. That was the work of church folks. Now, on the other hand, Christians listen more than they speak because what does the Bible say? Be slow to speak and swift to hear. Christians show compassion, okay, so that when people are are struggling, they don't 
rush to judgment. You know, they extend love and compassion. They meet the needs, not just see the needs of other people and say, oh, I'm praying for you. No, Christians, when they see somebody in need and they have the capacity to actually help them, they actually meet the need instead of just saying, oh, I'm a pray for you. Christians show empathy. They put themselves in the other person's shoes or remember back when they were in those shoes. Christians love and show love to others because what did Jesus do when he came to save us? He did away with all of the commandments and the laws of Moses and he boiled them down to two. He said, love God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength and love your neighbor as yourself. And Christians do not judge. And we're going to get to that later on in this episode because I want to clarify what I mean by that. But Christians, they don't judge. So just to further illustrate this point, I want to make sure that you get it really, really, really clear about what it is that I'm talking about and where it is that I'm coming from, because I'm addressing believers, people who say that they're Christians. Okay. And Proverbs 6, 16 through 19, it says there are six things that the Lord hates. Yea, seven that are detestable to him or an abomination to him. Haughty eyes. Okay, so haughty people who look down their nose at other people or think that they're better than other people. Haughty eyes. You know, the people you can't sit with us or or what's she doing coming into church? Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into mischief or gossip, busy bodies. A false witness who pours out lies and a person who stirs up conflict in the community and believers, you know, like I know if you scroll through your social media timelines, you know, somebody that falls into every last one of these categories. And if you're being really, really honest, some of us have fallen into some of these categories and I lay these things out because I don't want you to hurt yourself. When judgment comes, God is going to start with his people first. And so sometimes we can get so caught up in the emotion and the distraction of what's happening out there in the world. And that's really all it is, a distraction that we can lose sight of the people that we're really here to be a light to and the people that we're really called to serve. And so these six, uh, seven things, haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to run into mischief. So people that are screenshotting and circling and and doing that type of foolishness, a false witness who pours out lies and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. Sometimes people put stuff out there just to get people going back and forth on an issue and things that really don't have anything to do about loving God or loving our neighbor. So here in our focus for today, John eight, four through six, church folks came running to Jesus with some mess. So the teachers of the law, church folks, And the Pharisees, religious leaders, brought in a woman caught in adultery. Notice they brought the woman, not the man, but that's another podcast for another day. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery and the law that Moses commanded us, we should stone such women. Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. Let me tell you something about church folks. When They feel that you are out of alignment with what their agenda is or how they think you ought to be living life or walking along the King's Highway. Church folks will use situations that ain't got nothing to do with them just to try to get you caught up in some foolishness or use situations that ain't got nothing to do with you. What you think about this? Oh, I saw this. What you think about that? Just to try to trap you or bait you or try to get you into some conversation to say, 
Oh, well, I thought you was a Christian. So church folks will do that type of shadiness. This woman was being used, okay? She was being used. She was being pimped out, humiliated, and publicly shamed by who? Church folks, okay? Let's not lose sight of that. These are the people that said the teachers of the law and the Pharisees. So the church folks and the religious leaders are the people who draw this woman out of her house. But let's take a look at how Jesus responds to this because as Christians and our goal is to be Christ-like, then we need to do these things as Christ did, right? So the first thing I want to tell you about how Jesus responds to this situation is that he will deal with the judges before he deals with the judged. I want to repeat that. He will deal with the judges before he deals with the judged. Here in our scripture, it says, but Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger when they kept on questioning him because now they're harassing him. Well, what do you say? What do you say? What you going to do with it? What, should we stone her? Okay. When they kept on harassing him, he straightened up and said to them, let any one of you who was without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And so who did he deal with? He didn't deal with her. He dealt with them. Case in point, when judgment comes, God is going to deal with his kids first. And, and let me give you an example. If you looking out your kitchen window and all of a sudden you see some kids bullying some other kid or about to gang up on some other little kid and you look into that pack of children and you see your child, who you going to address first? You're going to be like, hold on, Tyrone. You better get your behind out here. I know you're not embarrassing me in these streets. I know I didn't raise you to be like that. Come in here and, and sit down. That's what you're going to do because you're going to address your child first before you address the other children. And God is the same way. So we need to be really careful about the things that we're posting on social media as influencers, as entrepreneurs, as people that are trying to have positive impact in the world. Because sometimes the way that we come across on social media is, well, the worst sin in the world is somebody else's. We tend to to minimize what we do in the booth, in the back, in the corner, in the dark that nobody knows about. And we tend to highlight or magnify the things that other people are doing. But the truth of the matter is, no, your sin may not be sexual promiscuity or adultery or whatever, but you know, we just had tax season. Are your taxes on the up and up? You know, where you were, when you told your boss, you know, you were sick last week, were you really sick? You know, we do all kinds of things and we might look at that and say, oh, well, that ain't nothing compared to, no, no, no. We don't get the chance to do that. Okay. You know, God does, does not, He's not a respecter of persons. And so he said, oh, well, Sally got the big sins, you know, and, and Judy got the little sins. We're the ones who categorize that. You know, Matthew 7, 1, people love that scripture. It says, judge not, lest ye be judged. But, you know, I like the, the second verse, which says, for with the same measure that you judge others, it will be measured back to you. And so we need to be careful about the, the ruling stick or the ruler that we use to go out there and judge other people's stuff because the scripture says that that is coming back to us. And that's like a key piece. We can't take the scripture in pieces. We can't say, I love the Lord. He heard my cry. I'm going to be the first and not the last. My, my ladder shall be greater than my former. That, you know, he's coming back, you know, with all power in his hand. Yeah, it says all of that. But what it also says is that there are some ways that you need to walk along this cross because your foot might slip. You know, when we're called to a life of purpose, we cannot let ourselves get caught up in trolling and cyberbullying and, and celebrity bashing because what we're doing is setting ourselves up for a spiritual clapback. Jesus is going to deal with us first. And some of you might be thinking, so what you saying? We can't address sin. 
No, it does not mean that. It doesn't mean that at all because Jesus did address her sin and we're going to get to that. But you have to learn how to do it with a loving spirit. Galatians talks about this. It says, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the spirit should restore that person gently or some versions say in love emphasis in those of you who live by the spirit, what spirit, the spirit of God, the spirit of love that live by the fruits of the spirit, gentleness, meekness, peace, love, kindness. Okay. So if you're operating in that spirit, when somebody gets caught up in some foolishness, then you restore them in that spirit. But that scripture also says that same scripture says, but watch yourselves. Or you may also be tempted to say, but you be careful the way that you deal with folks because your foot might slip next. So we have to be very careful, you know, that we are walking in the spirit by the fruits of the spirit and not the flesh because the flesh wants judgment. The flesh wants punishment. The flesh wants justice. You know, when we think somebody getting a little too high on the hog or when, when somebody is getting a little too much pub or a little bit too much praise, we think that it's our job to, to pull them down a notch. That is not our job. Our job is not to give people what we think they deserve, because guess what? God did not give us what we deserved. OK, so when we was out there, you know, we have to come back to the place about where we met God. Where did you meet God? What were you doing? OK, when you came to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, I'm talking to believers. What were you doing? And whatever it was that you were doing, Jesus didn't come to you with fire and ash and brimstone and condemnation. He said, behold, I stand at the door knocking. When you're ready, I'll be right here to love you. He said, cast your cares on me. Why? Because I care about you. And so every last one of us are products of God's mercy. So yes, we can, we can address sin, but we have to do it in a way that's going to give glory to God. We have to do it in a way, in the same way that brought us to Christ in love and, and with grace and mercy, not with judgment and fire and brimstone, which brings me to an encounter with Jesus. So John 8, 9 through 11 says, at this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. So what did Jesus do? Did he say, well, now that they out of the picture, girl, now, you know, you trifling, you know, good and doggone well, you ain't got no business up in this. Because, see, that's what we have a tendency to do. He said, OK, well, now that I've dealt with them, let me turn around and deal with you. He said, who's here to judge you? Nobody. He said, well, I'm not going to do that either. Leave your life of sin in a situation, in a context, you know, where everybody else was ready to throw stones, you know, and, and, and nail her to the cross. Jesus said, no. I'm not going to do that. I love you. Go and leave your life of sin. End of story. He didn't dwell on it. He didn't bash her. He didn't shame her. He didn't drag her. He didn't troll her. But think about how often we as believers get caught up in doing those things. And, you know, like I said, I'm an introvert. I may not say anything, but I see it, you know, and it's been put on my heart that we need to that I need to address it. And so. Another encounter with Jesus. So we're going to be in the book of John for a few episodes in this series, in the spring cleaning series. If you go back to John chapter four, you know, this is the story about the woman at the well. Now, the woman at the well was a serial adulterer. OK, so she had had five husbands and she had a bad reputation in town. And so she was going to draw water in the middle of the day where the sun was very hot because she knew that nobody was going to be out there. So she could just go get the water and not have to deal with anybody's judgments or side eyes or or nudging people 
people and things like that. When she met Jesus there in verses 17 and 18, Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands and the man that you have now is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. And so Jesus did not read her for filth. You know, he didn't tell her you trifling this and you trifling that. Jesus doesn't do that, but we tend to do that. And so he told her the nature of her situation. And he said, baby, what you looking for? The void in your life cannot be filled with anything that's happening in that bedroom. But I have something for you. I have living water. I have something that's going to sustain you. He said, yeah, you thirsty, but I have something where you'll never thirst again. That will fulfill you in a way that no man ever could. And as a result of her encounter with Jesus in verses 27 and 28, it says this. Then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want? Or why are you talking with her? Because that's the temptation that church folks will do. Okay, but they walking with Jesus. So these are Christians. Even though in their flesh, they might have been curious. None of them said that because they're like, don't question the way that Jesus interacts with somebody who was considered someone of ill reputation or, or ill repute. Verse 28 says, then leaving her water jar. So the reason that the whole reason she came to the well, she left her water jar. The woman went back to town and said to the people, the same people that she was trying to duck and dodge in the first place. Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? And I say all this to say that believers, some of us might be the only Jesus that sexually promiscuous men and women will ever see. You know, sometimes when we say, well, there's some holes in this house, we immediately think a woman, but it's a, it's a lot of guys out there that are just as promiscuous, you know, but we don't ever have that conversation because in our culture, a man that sleeps with a lot of women is a pimp, you know, but a woman who does that is just the opposite. But the fact of the matter is, is that when somebody is caught up in that type of lifestyle and they encounter us as representatives of Jesus, are they going to be met with love and compassion or side eye and shame? Joshua 6, 25, I, jo I joke with people all the time. I said, you know, God is like the original Captain Saberhole, right? And they're like, what? Joshua 6, 25 says this, but Joshua spared Rahab the prostitute with her family and all who belonged to her because she hid the men Joshua had sent as spies to Jericho and she lives among the Israelites to this day. A lot of times as believers, we tend to think that the people that are qualified, quote unquote, to do God's work are the ones that got hair done, nails done, everything did. They went to a good school. They come from a good family. They all dressed up. They all cleaned up. No, if you read in the same Bible, I'm reading Jesus called the drunks, the prostitutes, the murderers, the scum, okay, the tax collectors, the people that were the scum of the earth to do his work. And so we have to go back to that place about, like I said, where did you first meet the Lord and what were you doing? What was your mindset? What were the types of things you were caught up in? What were the type of activities you were caught up in? And, you know, you said, well, I don't look like what I've been through. And we tend to hide what we've been through, you know, under a cloud of like, oh, well, that was in the past. But that's exactly where he met us because the word says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And so when we were doing those types of things and he met us, he did not give us what we deserved, which was death. He gave us grace. He gave us love. He gave us mercy. And some of you are still struggling with this concept. You said, well, but still I'm not promiscuous in that way. Let me tell you something. Let me school you right quick. Prostitution comes in many forms. So I want you to look up the word prostitution. And yes, one of those definitions is the exchange of one's physical body for 
sexual favors or pleasuring in exchange for financial gain. But another version of prostitution says this, the unworthy or corrupt use of one's talents for the sake of personal or financial gain. Let me tell you something. It may not have been sexual promiscuity, but a lot of us have done things that are beneath our dignity. The unworthy or corrupt use of one's talents for the sake of personal or financial gain. So we prostitute ourselves for, for jobs and extra money. We prostitute ourselves for, for Instagram likes, for acceptance, for attention, for access to certain places so we can hang out with certain people and we can roll in so certain circles. Many of us have done things that are beneath our dignity. And in those moments, when we have done those things, Jesus loved us anyway. He did not come to us with side eye and shade. He stood at the door and knocked and said, and I'm waiting for you to come back to me. Okay. He, he embraced us in love. And so a lot of times when we see somebody out there that are doing things that are beneath their dignity, man, woman, boy, or girl, it's not our job to go out there and say, you need to get show. You know, you need to, mm, if people follow Jesus the way they followed the that's that's not the approach. OK, if you think that that's the approach, because think about it, when somebody comes to you sideways like that, do you want to go closer to them? Do you want a piece of what what they have? No, you don't. OK, but when somebody comes to you in love and compassion and some of us are so devoid of love, so full of bitterness, so full of envy, so full of of hurt, so full of just unresolved issues that it's hard for us to even give that to a person. We can't give what we don't have. And the thing is, is that if you are a Christian, okay, a Christian, you do have the seed of love that Jesus poured into you. And so if you are engaging in activities that causes that seed to dry up and diminish, because remember, go back to the episode where I said, what kind of soil are you? Okay, because the seed was planted. But what happened to it? Has it been dried out with bitterness and envy and comparison? Or have you allowed that seed to grow and nourish by studying the word? by being grateful and, and showing gratitude and studying and worshiping and all of those types of things and responding instead of reacting when these types of things happen in the world. And so if you've allowed that seed of God's love to grow, then that means that we ought to go out there and spread that same seed of love and draw people the same way that we were drawn. Okay. And, and try to attract people the same way that we were. And if they don't hear us, the Bible has a word for that too. It says, shake the dust off your feet and keep it moving. But it's not for us to stand in judgment and condemn. We ought to be a light in this world. So we can't jump on the bandwagon of bullying and trolling and talking about people and, and things like that, because that's not our job. And what that does is it doesn't make us distinctive from the world. It makes us just like the world. So there it is, folks. When I say there's some holes in this house, you know, that the holism comes in many forms. It really, really does. And sometimes we don't see ourselves because in those situations, because we're not doing exactly what so-and-so was doing and our boobs are not on, on social media and, you know, and our skirts come to our knees and things like that. But it, like I said, prostitution comes in so many forms. And as believers, the way that we ought to deal with that is in the same way that Jesus did. So if you have questions, comments, takeaways, holler at your girl at Dr. Shante says, I can't wait to see you on the next episode of Spring Cleaning. I will see you next time.